The Bragg Harvard Mohammed Smith Why We Can't Wait Scholarship has made another year of awards to students at Grand Rapids Community College in Michigan. This is a unique opportunity for people planning careers in public service because applicants and their recommenders are asked to speak to the applicant's cultural competency skills. Skills needed in everyday life, but essential for those going into public service. If you'd like to donate to the BHMS scholarship, you can do so by going to grcc.edu backslash give today. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to T, the Educational Architect. I'm Moore Salata, your host. And in this episode, my conversation continues with the following guest. I find it a very interesting concept that you uh, privilege your guests with allowing them to define who they are to the audience. Kind of like that so uh, I thought about it and I thought you know well I guess I'm a lot of things um, I am a, the eldest daughter to a single mom who raised three daughters on her own I'm a single mother who raised two sons on her own I have always been interested in the intersectionality of culture race ethnicity and belief and for the majority of my life that's exactly what I have focused on and I've taken that belief that idea of inclusivity to every facet of my life uh, so I'm a therapist um, I'm an educator I'm a researcher on this trip we call life that's who I am I'm happy to be here We're back and yeah, so we're gonna try to, where are you, what are your thoughts on how living, working and learning in a pandemic world from your perspective, uh, what does this look like? A hot mess, okay, okay. <laughs> it looks like a hot mess, but um, you know what, uh, what's very interesting to me is um, I spent a, a number of years um, being ill. And so mm -hmm. I was isolated. And I completed my doctorate during that time. So when this pandemic struck, and they said that we would be going, you know, online, mm -hmm. I thought, okay, so what could that look like? What can it look like teaching human communication during a pandemic? Your students, you don't ever see them, right? Um, okay, so it was a hot mess. So what's, what was difficult about it, I think, is I don't feel like I had enough support. There were several different areas that I felt like were not really thought through, as in, this is a wonderful university, but did you know that all the students don't live in, in Michigan or Detroit? Mm -hmm. Okay, and so you've got students who are attending your virtual class on their own time who live in a different time zone. So your office hour does not fit with that. But the university 
was hesitant to um, me wanting to um, hold more office hours, you know, free of charge, free of charge, right? Mm -hmm. To allow um, community for at that virtual classroom and also to allow people who may not live where we do to be able to, you know, talk with me as well. And that was discouraged. I was told that I was not allowed to do that. To provide such access. To provide such access because it was confusing to the students. Mm -hmm. I said, how is it confusing to the students? It's in black and white. It's open access. Stop by virtually four hours a week. I'll just be there. Uh -huh. I'll be doing other work. You pop up on my screen. I talk to you. You can hang out. That was frowned upon. Uh, an email was sent out and said that, you know, you can't do that. You can't offer that. And I So thought, I just want to recap. You were offering more time for students to access you. Yeah. Three but hours of after, unpaid time. And this is after the switch to, uh -huh. this is mid-semester, right? No, it's beginning of the semester. Oh, is this? It was for the fall. So no, actually, the reason I, I also went back to that because I'm like, oh, I can understand like being just trying to patch work things together in mid-March. But, but not, not at the beginning of the fall. Okay. All right. Thank you. So there are a lot of things that just were not explored um, or discussed. And so there tends to be this idea that adjunct faculty has access to all the information that full-time faculty does. Okay. But of course we don't because we only really have information that you provide to us when we're teaching. So you cannot assume that we know everything when we walk in the door Correct. about the changes that you've made. But what I found most um, difficult for me was mm -hmm. as a part-time faculty member, I'm not allowed to set up my own classroom um, web page um, that has to be done by somebody else. And depending on the skill of the person or the time that the person has to do that, there can be some missing components. So is that person um, a full-time person or just- Yes. Oh, okay. So- Yes, it's their job. At your institution, mm -hmm. uh, as a part-time faculty member, it is, in teaching this class, like even the course design is taken out of your hands. Yes. Now that was not always, that's not how it was before. Right. But, <laughs> but, but now we're saying after this, the disruption of like mm -hmm. in the middle of the winter semester in March, now mm -hmm. starting the um, fall semester. And if any, if, if anything causes a faculty member to need some sort of flexibility in their classroom, it would might be perhaps teaching in a global pandemic. Yes. And therefore, that's exactly how I approached it. Because normally I would not accept any late work. Like, mm -hmm. I, I just, just don't, you know. So the answer is no, don't even ask, right? <laughs> but during this pandemic, we had, you know, loss of life. And we had, you know, students who may have caught the illness. And so I changed my due dates. And I also left open due dates. And for those students who contacted me, I was flexible enough to tell them, as long as you can get it before I have to turn in your final grade. Okay, and they, um, those aren't things that you have to 
you didn't have to get those things approved by anyone else, did you? Oh, I'm sorry. I did it and I didn't ask. Okay. And um, they were like, why aren't you doing this? And I was like, well, this is why I'm not. Uh, this I is understand. why. I, for, I forget because you are, you are sort of stuck with teaching what may be called, um, you know, a standard course and those, those deadlines. And are you saying all that stuff is already built into this? It's already built in and I changed the, them. The learning management system. That's right. Oh, because you've got to understand. A, that's right. Story. Not workable. That was not going to work in a global pandemic when you don't know, mm -hmm. you know, what's going on. Um, so someone else can always go into your class and see what's going on. And even if a student, if a student says something or if uh, whoever manages the, this class, they can go in and say, hey, why did you blink on this assignment? Right. Okay. And my thing is, well, you know, I announce everything to my class. Did you pay any attention to the announcements? Mm -hmm. Because I explained to them exactly what I'm doing. So what you see is what you get. There are no guessing games in education. You can't do that. That, is, that would be highly unethical. And so when you have someone who's micromanaging you during a global pandemic, when you are being flexible with your students and spending a god awful amount of time on one class okay. every week, um, about eight hours a week for one class, because you're being flexible, the administration can still come in and say, we doubt your integrity as a teacher, basically, mm -hmm. or we doubt your skill, or I even had the, you know, we can just have somebody else take over your class. Except for what? Every lecture is posted. What are you talking about? All the examples are there. What are you talking about? Oh, the grading? Okay. You want me to just grade this stuff right now? Okay. So I graded it within 48 hours, everything. And then the, my students were like, uh, can I redo that? I was like, guess not. They said, I can't do that. No, of course I let my students do it. But the idea that a um, 50 plus woman who's been in education in one way or another over 30 years does not understand how to grade and why she would be grading in a different way and adapting to her students. Thanks for listening to The Educational Architect. We will return after this brief break. Again, you also have, it's, you know, you say a 50 plus woman, you have 30 years, you have a doctorate degree, but you also have the title of mm -hmm. adjunct faculty. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say that the attacks are more direct and obvious because someone can go into your class and just say, hey, we don't like what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Being part of that part-time workforce, again, it's not always that obvious, but the attacks on your credibility are still one and the same. And I was just wondering how, um, you know, the response that your institution was to the challenges of COVID, and it seemed like they didn't, they doubled down on some things they were doing before. Do you see um, what might come from just, maybe even from learners' perspective, from the people who are seeking education, the changes that COVID is, COVID-19 is like, forcing on, like, do you see any possibilities? 
you know what? I think that it's very possible to teach human communication virtually if you can actually see your students, right? And they can provide, you know, mm -hmm. and perform, you know, give their speeches to their audience and their audience can see them. I think that that would be wonderful. But I think that, um, I think that virtual education is here to stay, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think that it's going to have a very strong foothold because we are not going to be out of this pandemic as fast as everybody wants us to be, right? Right. And so, you know, knowing that, you know, that the deadly flu, you know, in the early part of the 1900s, it took three years to get it under control. And it wasn't as bad as this. And I was listening to some program that was talking about the Black Plague and the hundred years of the Black Plague. I'm like, oh mm -hmm. my goodness. Yeah, so I think that you know, yeah. as educators, so, we're going to have to adapt. We don't have a choice. And I think that our students are too. So that means, you know, there are some real ethical questions then mm -hmm. regarding who gets to teach these classes. Because if you can only teach from a textbook, how valuable are you? Yeah. Ah. And you were talking about, you know, at least two different modalities. How much students read in a face-to-face -face class when you see them and you yep. can literally bring it to their attention when you see them once or twice or three times a week. Mm -hmm. And what that happens to that when you go completely <laughs> asynchronous, like, um, right. yeah. now they not, not only do they have to read the text or they mm -hmm. have to read the learning management system and all that extra text that's there. Right. Um, and so when you talk about uh, the potential for virtual education, I just want to little clarify. So there's the asynchronous all online, which is very different. And then virtual, you're saying like, you know, like we're hosting this, um, mm -hmm. this conversation here on Zoom, where, you, right. where people know it's, not, it's just not physically in a physical space, but you have mm -hmm. to be physically present. So is that what you were saying, like virtual? Yeah. Sometimes. Virtual in that sense of the word, because okay. right now it's all asynchronous. Well, you don't see anybody, um, you know, you watch some videos of them speaking and they don't actually speak in front of a crowd. So we don't have that component of, you know, decreasing speech anxiety. Um, we no longer have a group project. So you can't learn in your human communication class or your public speaking class how to actually be part of a panel presentation. Boom. That's bad because everybody needs to know how to do that. Yeah. Right. And so there are lots of things that um, I think that COVID has shown us some gaps in the way that we educate people even more. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it showed us some gaps in equity um, and access to be able to do this virtually. Um, exactly. We're not even talking about, you know, how will homeless students who can't go to a coffee shop anymore, mm -hmm. who can't get on that free Wi-Fi, how difficult it may have been for them and how that may have impacted their ability to do right. well in a classroom. There's so many different things that you have to consider, but whatever else, any administration 
who is trying to make sure um, that they continue to provide a good educational experience. Mm -hmm. And you they're gonna have to be educational experience. Right. Um, they're going to have to be able to hire people that they trust to do the job because micromanaging does not work. It's a little I, bit of a soul destroyer, you know. And I want to add that again, I'm speaking um my um my experience knowing part-time faculty that for the most part those people are already employed worthy people are already employed you just have to actually trust them exactly beautifully said <laughs> and, and there's some i mean and you do that by you know that doesn't mean never check in you have regular mm -hmm. check-ins performance like that means something right I really want to thank you for your time. More than welcome. I appreciate talking to you, my dear friend. You are more than welcome. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Tea. We welcome you back for future episodes. I'm Moore Salata Mohammed, your host and producer. The music you heard at the start of this episode was composed by Kasira Mohammed Smith. And until next time, sumum bonum and ubuntu.